0: The Wuhan coronavirus, the active impeachment of a sitting US president, an earthquake and volcanic eruption in the Philippines, floods in Indonesia, the death of Kobe Bryant, a magnitude 7.7 earthquake in the Caribbean, and even my homeland down under has been on fire, and then buried in ice, and then it was on fire again. So yeah, the first month of 2020 is trying really hard to kill us all, I guess, but anyway, What we are here for is to explore what all of these things mean to an economy, both at a local and a global level. Now the short answer is of course that these kinds of catastrophes can mean quite a lot to local economies. We have already seen shaky stock markets and the like as a reaction to a lot of these events, but perhaps it is more important to understand the mechanics of how these work. Of course it should also go without saying that the human cost is the most severe cost in all of these scenarios. And I want to try really hard here to not come across as some heartless economist screaming, won't someone please think of the GDP? But with all of that out of the way, it is my turn to cash in on the media driven fearmongering. As for economics, the first and potentially largest impact that a lot of these events can have is the fear of the impacts themselves. Confidence is the foundation of any good economy. It wouldn't be an Economics Explained video if I didn't say that line at least once. But here, it may be specifically important. Just this week, the news of the Wuhan coronavirus started circulating about the spreading of the disease between countries and the closure of schools and airports was speculated. And with that, the stock market kind of slumped. It wasn't massive, but it was noticeable, with the Monday opening down by over 1% in the S&P 500. So, what really explained this? Well, most big players that have enough equity to alter the market are going to be institutional investors. Things like pension funds, hedge funds, family offices and the like, all of which are smart enough to know that the actual impact of this virus is bound to be relatively minimal. Media outlets are of course incentivized to speculate about apocalyptic scenarios because it gets more views. But most people know what this is. It's basically a bad flu that is very unlikely personally to affect them or anybody that they know directly. But unfortunately, stock markets don't work like that. While it is unlikely that Goldman Sachs will be panic selling their equity position to buy up masks and hand sanitizer, they may speculate on the people doing just that. Short sellers that can gain an advantage by capitalizing on negative events in the market will be at play here. And this increases the supply of shares as short-should securities are released into the market. This in turn becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Short sellers sell shares, lowering prices, which causes a downward trend, which causes people already a bit uneasy to panic and sell off their shares, and on and on until a mindless speculation becomes a reality. Now, in actual reality, stock markets go one level beyond that. People know that people know that news stories about the thing like the Wuhan virus are not workably substantial, but people also know that people know that this doesn't matter and that short sellers will still react on this news. So here is how it plays out. On Friday the 24th of January, the S&P 500 closed at 3,295 points after a week of not great news overall. Now, Stock markets like the New York Stock Exchange that primarily trades the S&P 500 are not open on the weekend, but that doesn't mean that the market doesn't move. People can still place buy and sell orders, but they just can't be fulfilled until markets open again on Monday. Let's say on Friday afternoon a household investor wanted to buy up some shares in the S&P 500 and put in an offer to say purchase Apple shares for $320 a piece. Well unfortunately the market was closed at this time so all that they could do is put up a buyer offer and wait for trading to commence again on Monday morning. Over the weekend news articles keep on coming up about how this virus has shut down Chinese spending over the Lunar New Year holidays and airlines have been redirected and we are all going to die. Well the investor is going to start feeling a bit uneasy. Diverted flights and slow retail spending over the second biggest retail holiday in the global calendar is going to have impacts. People may not make the trek out to buy the latest iPhone with their red pocket money because Apple stores are closed all across China. That means when Apple releases their quarterly earning reports, they are potentially going to be less than what was projected, which means stocks would fall in that hypothetical reality. To preempt this, the investor would say to themselves, Yeah, nah, you know what? I am going to cancel that order, eh? And when enough people cancel out their orders, the price that people would be able to sell for falls, and hence the value of the stock falls. Stock markets are a lot like playing chess. You need to think 10 steps ahead about actions and reactions, and often more importantly, plan for the reactions to things that are not really important at all. So, stock markets are superficial and not always grounded in reality. Okay what else is new? Well, natural disasters are a really good way to explore some limitations in our economic system outside of these realities. Gross Domestic Product or GDP is a term anybody even remotely interested in economics is bound to have heard. Even this channel can barely go a week without mentioning it as it relates to whatever country we are looking at, or even working the figure into a video game that we are overanalyzing. In my defense though, most macroeconomists love this figure, because it is a really, really easy gauge to determine the level of economic prosperity in a nation, by looking at how much people are spending, and by extension, how good their quality of life is. But this is just it though, it's a gauge. The tachometer is a gauge in your car that measures engine revs, but it isn't the universal indicator of a great engine. You could have an engine that measures 8000 revolutions per minute and it could mean that your naturally aspirated flat six Porsche is humming along as it rips down some quiet back road, or it could mean that you are going to have to buy your mother a new Hyundai. Cars and economies are complicated things and they cannot be boiled down to a single figure, like revs or a GDP. A really great way to show this is to look at something like a hurricane or an earthquake. Hurricane Andrew was one of the largest natural disasters ever to hit the continental United States. It brought with it winds strong enough to blow over brick homes, it knocked out electrical grids and plumbing systems, it left thousands homeless. It was the costliest hurricane in history to clean up after, and was all around really really uncool. Now since GDP is used to measure the level of prosperity of a nation, you would imagine that this would kind of suck for the economy, and it did. But GDP figures tell a different story. You see, GDP is measured using this figure here. GDP equals household spending, plus government spending, plus investments, plus net exports. Now when a hurricane like this hits, one of the first things to happen is that the government will implement some kind of disaster relief extra emergency services workers will be put to work, and oftentimes even the military will set up infrastructure to assist the crisis. On top of this, roads and bridges and power grids will all need to be rebuilt, which means this portion here, government spending, goes up. The next thing that will happen is that insurance companies will need to pay out individuals for things like damaged cars or destroyed home and contents policies. These individuals will receive lump sums and will in turn use this to go out and buy a new car or a couch or a TV or a house, which increases this portion here, household spending. The other two components, investments and net exports might drop slightly, but not nearly enough to compensate for the gains we see in these two other fields. Because GDP is the net of all of these components, it would basically read that the economy is booming because people are out spending money at a huge rate, but of course, that is not really true. This whole issue has a name. It is called The Parable of the Broken Window, which was first pointed out by French economist Frédéric Bastiat In an essay he wrote criticizing macroeconomic practices at the time by illustrating why destruction and the money spent to recover from destruction is not actually a net benefit to society, which should probably go without saying, but we do so love our GDP figures. I mean, I'm probably going to keep on using them, but as with everything, it is important to understand that nothing exists in isolation. The participants that benefit most from disasters and pandemics, earthquakes and quarantines are of course media outlets their stock seems to have an inverse relationship to the overall badness of the news. All of that aside though, it is always important to realize that an economy is as dependent on what people think as it is on what is actually happening around the world. Economics is a social science. It is the study of how people interact with things of value. And while we economists can cling on to the comforting ideas of all other things being equal and perfectly efficient markets with perfectly rational individuals, good economists will realize that people are complicated and dumb. They don't always react rationally to stimuli, they don't always do what is in their absolute best interest, and above all, they cannot be boiled down to a single number. Now speaking of disasters, I caused my own disaster this time last week by accidentally giving some mod rolls to some random person on the Economics Explained Discord server, who then proceeded to ban everybody like the charming individual he was. Oops, this belongs in the top list of the Economics Explained mistakes of 2020 for sure. Watch here as I destroy a flourishing server with this one simple trick. For anyone that did enjoy hanging out on the server, please feel free to rejoin, thanks to the tireless efforts of the real mod team, all 4,000 individuals have now been unbanned. But otherwise, thanks for watching guys, a huge thank you to our new patrons over on Patreon. I will be introducing Patreon tiers in the coming week to ensure that the ongoing support of these patrons is recognized and that they will be able to interact more directly with me and the team. As always, we will be hosting a Q&A session live streamed on the second channel linked in the video description. If you want to be involved in that, come on over there or participate directly by joining our Discord server. I promise you won't be banned again. Otherwise, if you did enjoy this video, please consider liking and subscribing. Thanks guys. Bye.